You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome to Utopia. Hey everyone, welcome in. It is the Hutopia Football Podcast. It's a Thursday edition leading into week 10 of the NFL season. It is here. The Cincinnati Bengals will be hosting the Houston Texans who are looking to go over 500 for the first time in God knows how long this deep into the season. 2019, I'm guessing. Um, so it's uh, this is exciting. This is really exciting, but there's a lot to get into. Some of it not so exciting as I hold the injury report in my hand right here. We'll get into that. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on weekdays, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, the great John McClain. John, happy Thursday morning. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's a great time to be a sports fan, talk show host, podcaster in Houston because the Texans are 4-4, shocking the world. The Rockets have a winning record after they just stomped the Lakers, and of course the Astros didn't make the World Series, but they were in the American League Championship games. Our main three main teams have done well. It's incredible, John. You know, you bring up the Rockets, and they may come up again a little later in the show, and for real or Fugazi. Um, and we're going to get into our preview of the Bengals game shortly with the six-pack, and we will certainly get into this injury report. But as long as you brought up the Rockets, that win over the Lakers last night, they beat the Lakers by 34 points. Granted, a banged-up version of the Lakers, no Anthony Davis out there, but LeBron was out there. 34 points is 34 points. That's a, you know, I don't care who's playing who, that's a blowout. Um, it really is amazing the simultaneous sort of trajectory of the the uh, Rockets and the Texans, you know, just how similar the two sort of, and I'm, I'm going like this because it was here, and then it came down here, and then it went back up. Um but, I mean, James Harden and Deshaun Watson, John, requested trades within days of each other, like a few days of each other back in January of 2021. And other than, I mean, the big the big dissimilarity, obviously, is Deshaun Watson's legal saga. I mean, the, the Rockets didn't experience anything remotely close to that. But after that trade request, both franchises not only just slid into the toilet, but I think we're, I think especially the Texans, were just objects of ridicule within the sports world. And then almost simultaneously, the two the two organizations start to assemble some young talent. And I think the biggest thing, and maybe the biggest similarity, not that these two guys are totally similar people, but I think they're having a totally similar effect, is they got the coach right. Ime Odoka for the Rockets, D'Amico Ryans for the Texans. And, and now even up to this week, like the Texans get this huge win in Tampa, and now everybody's talking about them. The Rockets... They've won four in a row. They beat the Lakers by 34. And now my guess is on some of these NBA shows today, you know, people are talking about the Rockets again. 
it's really been uncanny how, meanwhile, the Astros have just been hovering over everybody else. But the, the similarity between the Rockets and the Texans are just, it, it's almost a little bit eerie to me, honestly. Well, there's laid the foundations for rebuilds from the ground floor up. And now Adoka and D'Amico Ryans are, are reaping the benefits. And uh, they both, we know that uh, C.J. Stroud's a franchise quarterback. And after watching that Lakers game, some of the plays Jalen Green made, I'm thinking his career is really going to take off. And uh, they got Rockets have been stockpiling number one picks. Texans number one picks worked out well this year, but not last year, even though we expect uh, uh, Derek Stingley, Stingley Jr. to come back. I don't know if it'll be this week. He's practicing or it'll be next week, but uh, it's amazing how they've done it. And I kind of feel bad for the coaches that preceded them, like Steven Silas, just experienced misery during three seasons and now. Ime Doka is doing great so far. Yeah, I, I, I do feel bad for, for Silas from this standpoint. I don't feel awful for Silas because the, that was a bad coaching job. Like, just like do a little better. Um, but I will say this, like Silas was not brought in to coach a bunch of uh, 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Like he was brought in. When he was brought in, Russell Westbrook and James Harden were still in the building. Hell, if you believe some of the stories, they were the ones who gave a stamp of approval for Steven Silas as their head coach it's almost like steven silas thought he was getting hired to run like a sales team one day and he walks in and he's a substitute teacher in a in a fourth grade class <laughs> you know like okay this is not what i signed up for that's here that's a good way to put it yeah so um happy for both teams though happy for both fan bases to be sure and i'm and i love seeing the symbiosis you know the symbiotic nature of the you know cj's out there shooting free throws at the game you know the first shot which um which by the way john you and he are basically equals now you we clank your- them you both, yeah. His was a little. His went in and out. Um, yours did not go in and out. But All you did I know is he missed it. He clicked. He hit the rim, and I hit the rim. That's right. Scoreboard. And I right? had torn the rotator cuff, and he doesn't. As far as we know, let's hope. I not. think it was Titus Howard tweeted tweeted a picture of it, calling Shaquille O'Neal free throw. <laughs> just saw that like two minutes ago. That's so funny. <laughs> I told Seth today that they should just put a big pile of bricks in his locker when he gets there today. Like he gets there, just just big stack. I bet of you they would did do something for me. I hope he got so, there. and he'd have a good sense of humor about it. I think so. Um, well, let's get into this injury report um, because uh, if we don't, it's as, as long as this thing is, John. We might need to take this podcast into Friday. This is the longest injury report I've ever seen for an NFL team. It's long enough that it got a headline on CBSSports.com today. Texans twenty three of fifty three on the injury reserve. I don't know if that's exactly right. Cause Stingley and Charlie Heck are both on this injury report as participants, Stingley limited heck full participant, but I don't think either are officially back on the roster yet. If I'm not mistaken, they've just been, they've had their window right. activated yeah. here for, for practice. Right. The thing that gets me on Charlie heck, I was told the whole time he was out, it was his foot or his ankle. And now they say it's his back. And so I don't know if that's a new occurrence injury had, and they don't really need a tackle. They need a guard. They need a guard so they can move Titus Howard back to right tackle. And right now, George Fant's playing better at right tackle than Titus Howard is at left guard. Titus has done a terrible job at left guard. And I, 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 I'm stunned they haven't put somebody else out there. But I'm guessing they don't want Titus to go to right tackle and be a weak link over there for whatever reason. But – Charlie Heck's going to come back, and you know it's too bad he can't play guard. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, like physically, I don't even think he's put together to play guard. No, you know what he's I mean, not. like he's six just eight. Too, he's too tall and rangy. Yeah, 
Um, so this injury report, and it's in the smallest font ever. John, I'm going to read the 11 names that didn't participate in practice yesterday, and then I'm going to follow up with a question to you. So here they are. And again, by the time some of you are listening to this, the Texans may very well be practicing or have practiced, and some of this may change. But it's still an alarming number of guys not participating on Wednesday. Will Anderson, uh, Andrew Beck, Blake Cashman, Kaimi Fairbairn, uh, Jake Hansen, Brevin Jordan, Stephen Nelson, Damian Pierce, Laramie Tunsil, Jimmy Ward, and Robert Woods. Now, most of those names either were already injured, Brevin Jordan, Robert Woods, Damian Pierce. Um, we knew that they were going to be not participating. Guys that got hurt in this past Sunday's game, like Jimmy Ward, Kaimi, Jake Hansen, probably missing one or two. The three names on this list, John, that, that were jarring to me to see were Will Anderson with a knee, Blake Cashman with a knee, Steven Nelson back and neck. So I want your thoughts on those and, you know, almost power rank these, like who do the, you know, in order of, you know, in, in order of needing the most to least, who do the Texans, you know, how are we power ranking these injuries of those specifically those three guys right now? Will Anderson limped off at the end of the game. So the PR guys already left the press box. There was no way to make an announcement. Don't have any idea his situation. He was always durable at Alabama. He's been durable this season. He plays the run. He's in the middle of everything. And if he doesn't play, it means you got Jonathan Gennard, you know, 47-year-old Jerry Hughes, and then Dylan Horton, a rookie, fourth-round pick, who's getting a little more playing time each week. And you hope Sheldon Rankins is back at tackle. The one I want to see is Khalil Davis, the third or fourth tackle. Jimmy Ward's not going to play time soon. Kaimi Fairbairn, you know, they're hoping maybe he'll miss a game or two. But uh, those first guys that you mentioned, that's scary. Nico Collins, was he limited? He was limited, yeah. I had yeah. seen reports he didn't practice, but he was listed as limited on the report. Yesterday. Yeah, limited means sometimes they just go out there and run around, don't do squat. Yeah, they put it as they, a calf. They put that out there so the opponent will think maybe they're not going to play, yeah. which is a, a waste, of course. But if Will goes out, then they can double Jonathan Grenard all they want. So Will Anderson, Blake Cashman, and and Stephen Nelson again, John. If you power rank those, like wh who are the most like? How do you rank those in terms Will of would importance be one, of having Cashman too? Because Cashman's their best linebacker, one of their mm -hmm. best players. And I think he's graded now number two linebacker by Pro Football Focus. Yeah. And then Stephen Nelson, you know, he gave up a deep pass to Mike Evans. That happens to a lot, but he's been their best cornerback and one of their best defensive backs, and he's got to be able to run and cut and stop and start, come out of his back pedal. So he's, boy, I, if they don't have him, considering they're missing Jimmy Ward and they're one of their top, their two top reserve safeties, Eric Murray was already out, and now MJ Stewart, they're taking volunteers off the street. Yeah, I'd go Anderson. I would go Anderson, Nelson, Cashman in, in order of importance. Anderson the most. No, because John, if Steven Nelson is out, I'm assuming Derek Stingley Jr. is not playing. That means Shaquille Griffin is your best cornerback going into a game where we don't know. I, you know, we don't know if Cincinnati's going to have both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in this game. They're both on Cincinnati's injury report. Either way, Joe Burrow is the quarterback of that team. And I don't know if I want Shaquille Griffin as my top cornerback. I don't care who's playing receiver if Joe Burrow is the one pulling the trigger. I'll be amazed if they activate Stingley after one week of practice, considering how much time he's missed, six games. Yep. 
All right, John. Um, so that's the injury report. Let's get into uh, let's get into our pregame six pack, John. Six people, position groups, storylines, esoteric things that may affect the Cincinnati Bengals and the Houston Texans in Cincinnati. Noon kick on Sunday uh, on uh, Sports Radio six ten. If you want to listen to it, I'm anxious to get your prediction, John, for this game. Uh, but we'll get to the six pack first, and you always go first, my friend. Fire away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Of course, it would be C.J. Stroud, but I'll leave him to you. Damian Pierce, everybody thought he's part, big part of the problem why they can't run the ball. And I think people now realize it isn't the running backs, it's the offensive line. So I'm going to say the offensive line, which did a really good job of pass protecting, has got to do a better job of run blocking against a defense that struggled against the run. The last time they went against a defense that struggled against the one run two weeks ago at Carolina, they ran for 110 yards. Well, you know, that's no big deal for most teams, but for the Texans, it was time to pop the champagne corks because they're one of the worst running teams I've ever seen. So many players get hit in the backfield. They had to have Xavier Hutchinson do an end around for 12 yards and they had to have CJ Stroud take a pitch from Singletary, which was not designed. And 10 yards, Stroud's had a double-digit run in each of the last 10 yards. So 22 yards were manufactured. And it's amazing that they were able to win the game against the Bucks with no running game whatsoever. Zero. You can't win consistently in the NFL if you can't run. But when it comes to run blocking, you know, it's hard. It either can do it or they can't. They've had the line together now. They've got the stability. Michael Dieter did a really good job at center. I believe Pro Football Focus had him the highest-rated offensive lineman they had. Titus Howard was the lowest. And so it's the offensive line has got to do better because you don't want to go three and out. You don't want second and nine, uh, third and eight, and that's up to the line to try to kick some butt, control the clock a little bit. And on the other hand, you know, they are going to have to throw the ball. I'm not so sure I wouldn't throw it on first down almost every time. All right, John. My first one is the Texans. I'm going to call it the intermediate part of the pass defense. Call it the linebackers. They had another bad game last week against the tight end. Kate Otten had a huge game against them for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, including a touchdown that would have been the game-winning touchdown if C.J. Stroud didn't pull a rabbit out of his hat. Last week, Cincinnati's tight ends in their game against Buffalo, had 10 receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns on 13 targets. The Texans are are 31st in passer rating against tight ends this year so far, and they have just been diced up by quarterbacks a whole lot worse than Joe Burrow in that intermediate passing game. So um, that's, that's a big one for me this week because, you know, depending on what pieces are there, especially if Cashman is out. Cashman's been their best linebacker in coverage so far this year. Um, so that's that's a big one for me is 
the Bengals might be missing some pieces on the outside, but they showed last week that they can work the tight end game as well. And the Texans have been really, really bad at defending tight ends this year. So that's, that's my first one for the six pack. And that's a great one. What do you know? What team is actually worse than the Texans against tight ends? I don't, I only saw that they were rated 31st. Can I don't you know. Who's imagine worse. if there, there, there's a team out there worse than the Texans at containing tight ends. Yep. It's, wow. uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable because the Texans are really, really bad at it. No doubt about that. I am uh, going to go with Stroud, you know, the okay. obvious one. He can't keep playing perfect games like this. You know, if he, gosh, he only threw two touchdown passes, but he hasn't turned it over. It's just remarkable the way he played. All the national outlets are talking, ESPN, NFL Network, Athletic. He's in the running for the MVP. And I don't know. You got to me, you're going to have to make the playoffs to be able to get the MVP, but it's still great that he's getting that kind of consideration. And with no running game, he's going to have to be precise. They got a good pass rush. He's in the Buccaneers. We talked about the, the pass protection that he received. And on that last drive, it was great, but he was forced out of the pocket a lot. And he had to make plays on the run. All those people that talked about, his lack of mobility before the draft, that was ridiculous. He always been able to run. He just hadn't had to. And one of the things D'Amico Ryan's talked about was his instincts when things break down. And I've got a column about he and Watson and comparing them in that situation off schedule when instincts take over. And he's been tremendous. I, I'm, not, I'm not for him taking pitches from Singletary, which they pulled out of their butt. But he's still – had a 10-yard and a 12-yard gain the last two weeks. If they could let him run on the boot with the with assurance that he's going to slide. And he talked about playing baseball. He want, All athletes want to be baseball players, which I thought was weird. I thought they wanted to be basketball players. Let Make sure he knows how to slide and let, ready, let him run a little bit on those bootlegs to loosen up the linebackers where they can't just put everybody in the box. But Stroud's going to have to play a perfect game for them to have a chance to upset the Bengals and end their four-game winning streak. I'm with you on that. I think the only way the Texans win this game is if it's a shootout. You know, if it's if it looks a lot like last week's game, you know, back and forth, Stroud versus Burrow, Stroud hero ball. And I think that's how, if they're going to win the game, that's probably the formula is to lean on C.J. Stroud. Along those lines, John, mine, my uh, item to watch here in the six-pack, the Texans wide receiving core, um, Nico Collins is on the injury list, as you pointed out, but I'm, I'm anticipating he's going to play. Noah Brown has been great the last two weeks, uh, really great last week. Uh, Tank Dell has been awesome all season long, seven games into his career. He's got the second most receiving yardage of any rookie Texans receiver through seven games behind only Andre Johnson, which means he's ahead of DeAndre Hopkins on, on a list like that. Um, so Tank Dell has been amazing. The the Cincinnati uh, secondary, they had to replace both their safeties this year because uh, Jesse Bates and Von Bell both left in free agency. But their corners are really, really good. They hold wide receivers to a passer rating of just above 70, which is really, really solid wow. secondary. Yeah. So this, this should be this should be a fun matchup between, you know, I'm 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 not saying that I'm not giving out that passer rating in a way where I'm conceding that the Texans are gonna have to find some other way to move the football. I'll give you a fact about the Texans, John. Let me get my uh, my little notebook where I wrote this down here, my little green notebook, because I, I this was hand handwritten research that I did yesterday on Pro Football Focus. 
And I get it that pro football focus isn't always exact. You know, it's very subjective in terms of the scores and things like that. But the Texans are the only team. The Texans are the only team in the NFL with three receivers in the top 26 among all the receivers in the NFL. There's, I think, 110 receivers that have played enough snaps to get pro football focus rated. And uh, Nico Collins is ninth. Noah Brown is 18th. And Tank Dell is 26th. They, they're the only team with three in the top 26. The next team to get to three receivers on the list is Seattle, and they have three in the top 33. And you think about Seattle's receiving core, that's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's a considered a, an elite core. So um, so that, so the, the, the wide receiving core of the Texans isn't just achieve, overachieving above what people expected them to achieve. They are achieving amongst the best wide receiving cores in the NFL so far this year. Let's give a shout out to the McDaniels who is not getting criticized coast to coast. Josh McDaniels got fired. They're smoking champagnes. His brother, Ben, is doing an outstanding job coaching the Texans receivers. He's also a passing game coordinator. Ben is doing a tremendous job. And I always thought it's funny. Josh McDaniels has been head coach twice. He's not hired Ben. Maybe Ben turned him down, knowing what was in store. But he's done a terrific job because start of the season, we all, locally and nationally, man, they need better receivers. Their top pick should be a go-to receiver uh, next season. And I'm not saying it still won't be because they're going to have to pay some money. And uh, But uh, you're right. Those guys have gone above and beyond. And, and everybody's going crazy over Stroud, and they should this week. But he was coming off a 140-yard game. And Dalton Schultz was coming off two catches for five yards. So they just exploded in the second half against the Buccaneers, who had a good defense. And on paper, Tampa Bay's defense is good as Cincinnati's different. And Baker Mayfield played great. It's hard to imagine Joe Burrow playing any better than Mayfield did. They couldn't blame that one on him. So I'm I'm not – If I, this is the worst weekend of Sean I've ever seen for primetime games, not to mention a game from Germany. Yeah. That they didn't flex the Texans and Stroud while he's hot with Joe Burrow and the Bengals while they're hot and put you, a game out there with two former Ohio State quarterbacks. But, John, that's a decision they would have had to make two weeks ago. You know, they, these flex, yeah, okay, decisions, right. these flex right. decisions get made at a time where the Texans probably had just lost to the Carolina Panthers, you know? You're right. Yeah. So Of course they didn't do it now. What they should do, look at that schedule when they play Jacksonville after Arizona, yeah. and because there's a good chance they'll be 5-5 five and five at that one, and, and maybe flex that game and see if the Texans can sweep that season series because it's going to have uh, big implications. Huge. And the Jags are underdogs this weekend against San Francisco. The Texans can pull off the upset. There's a chance to get within a game here. And if they're within a game of Jacksonville in week 12, when Jacksonville comes to Houston, then Texans win that game. They've got the tiebreaker over the Jags. They're 2-0 against them this year. It's just too bad when the Cardinals get here, it won't be Clayton Toon. It'll be Kevin Murray. My Tyler next Murray. one's going to be Matt Amendola, the kicker. Okay. He's been had a cup of coffee here before. He's bounced around. He's okay. And uh, he's not as good as Kami Fairbairn, who's only missed one field goal this year. But if the Texans have a chance – to shock the world and pull off an upset, chances are it's going to come down to the end and it could be a field goal. And uh, so he is going to be uh, essential, I think, for the Texans to come close or to beat the Bengals. 
Yeah, I know that if if Matt Amendola matters in this game, then this has been a successful Sunday for the Texans. Absolutely. Right. If he matters in this game, by the way, uh, credit our producer, James Jackson, who just told us in the chat that uh, that Baltimore is currently last in defending tight ends. A little surprising. Well, I wouldn't have guessed them. I, I would not have you. I would have gone way down the list. Baltimore's oh, a good yeah. defense, but they're just Chicago, not good at Chicago, Arizona. This New feels England. like one of those things. You know what it feels like, John? It feels like one of those things where Baltimore's so good at defending everything else that these teams all – they just have to use their tight ends. They have no other choice, that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, okay, so Matt Amendola. John, my last one is not a person. It's really just pointing out an aspect of this game that I think might might help the Texans out. Now, on the one hand, you could go, wow, that was really – that was an emotionally kind of draining game for the Texans, the way they won against Tampa Bay. But I don't get the sense in observing this team operate this week and knowing D'Amico Ryans and kind of how he's, you know, how even keeled he is and how he's able to, I think, kind of block out the noise. Um, I'm not expecting any sort of letdown from the Texans because they won such an emotional game last week, you know, with that comeback at the end. I do wonder with Cincinnati, for people who aren't aware, Cincinnati's previous two games, two weeks ago they played San Francisco one of the best teams in the league at the time, and they won. And then last week they beat Buffalo. That, But the Buffalo is, you know, again, these are two teams, San Francisco and Buffalo, that are considered contenders. Now they play the Texans. The next two weeks they play Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I think at Baltimore ooh, next week. Ooh. So two division games coming up. So I'm only pointing that out to say that if you were handicapping this game, like from a gambling standpoint, this is a this is almost an ideal juncture in the schedule. Aside from, other than the Texans maybe calling too much attention to themselves by the way they won that Tampa Bay game, like that probably woke up a lot of people about the Texans. So there's no chance for them to just kind of lay low and get ignored entirely. But human nature is such that boy has a big win over the Bills on national TV on Sunday Night Football last week, and now you got Baltimore, who's I think a lot of people consider the best team in the NFL next week. Um, this, if you're the Texans and you're picking a spot on the schedule to put this game, probably the only one better would be to put it after the Ravens game, before the Steelers game, in between two rough and rugged, high-profile division games. So this is a pretty ideal spot on the schedule for the Texans if they're going to pull off an upset. Or put it in Houston. Yeah, yeah. So Wouldn't that be you- fun? This is the last game that they have against a team that that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I don't consider the Jaguars a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I put them right behind the top three in the AFC. But, man, oh, man, Cincinnati winning at the 49ers, that was impressive. Yeah, very much so. What do you consider Cleveland at this point, John? I'm just curious. Uh, they're, they're just, you know, with Watson being in and out of the lineup, they got a great defense, of course. Yep. That's in the NFL right now. But I don't see Watson – as being consistent enough or healthy enough to put them up there with Baltimore and Kansas City and Cincinnati. Okay, I'm with you on that. All right, so, John, what's the prediction? I'm predicting the uh, Bengals win 30-23. to Okay, I got 30-27. to I think it's going to be a lot like last week's game. I think CJ's going to hang in there. and um, So you and I are kind of on the same page there. Uh, then 30-23. to So you got them covering, though, because last I checked, the spread is 6.5. So you got them covering the number right now. Three the, points. The Bengals, that is. Matt Amendola misses a field goal. It could have tied forced overtime. <laughs> God, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, right now the Bengals, well, the spread is up to seven now. So the Bengals favored by a full touchdown now over the Texans. So you got to, that's right where you got it, 30 to 23. There you go. 
Uh, John, you ready to do? And I got there. I mentioned thirty to twenty-seven. Okay, I um, I've got some for real or for gazes. You want to do them here? Always. Okay, so we do this every Thursday episode as a way to kind of just poke our head, poke our heads in on some of the other topics floating around football and sports. Um, for real or fugazi, I read a sentence to John. He assesses it quickly and says, if he agrees with it, he says, for real. If he thinks my sentence is silly, stupid, false, counterfeit, he says, fugazi, fugazi which is Italian for counterfeit or fake. Um, all right, John, well, let's do this one here. Um, CJ Stroud has been getting mentioned from some people that he could get into the MVP race here. Now the MVP, as you know, it used to be just writers like yourself would just vote for one guy. And that was the entire voting. They do it more like baseball now, where I believe it's one through five. They vote for in the MVP balloting for real or Fugazi for real or Fugazi CJ Stroud will at least get some MVP votes at the end of the year. Fugazi, I don't think the Texans will finish good enough because you're talking about two receivers and you're talking about a bunch of quarterbacks who are really good. But the fact that he's even being talked about it, that's good. And you don't uh, think even, if, even if they don't make the playoffs, but they people are going to be so fired up about next season. And uh, but I, 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 I just don't, I don't see it now when I look at the guys who are running the best teams in the league. You don't think a couple of people will get cute and give him a fifth place vote here and there? You know, well, I don't think the Texans are going to be in the playoffs. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right, uh, next one Thursday night football tonight. It's uh, Carolina in Chicago, Clash of the Titans. For real or Fugazi, both these head coaches are dead men walking tonight. Who boy, I'm going to say that's for real because David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers. They say he's not happy at all with Frank Reich. You know, it looks like that uh, Reich's play calling duties were taken away from him and given to Thomas Brown because we were very suspect of that move right before they played the Texans, and that worked out okay. And then Bryce Young threw two pick sixes. And it's it's so interesting to compare the two staffs. They, they hired Jim Caldwell, Dom Capers. They get all these former head coaches on their staff, Josh McCown is the quarterback coach, where D'Amico has no former head coaches on his staff, and yet the Texans are so much better, and Stroud is so much better. Matt Eberflus, I was I was listening to, I guess, I can't remember what I was. What other one that Skip Bayless is on, because I want to hear Michael Irvin and uh, uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson claims that Justin Fields is better than any quarterback prospect in this draft. He's got to be the only person on the planet that would say that. Keyshawn's a moron sometimes. And so uh, they, this game is a can't lose for Chicago. They win and they have the Panthers first pick. They lose. They got their first pick. And so I can't imagine they're going to bring back Matt Eberflus, although one of the big guys, from the athletic, he thinks Eberflus will be back. I don't think how you can say that right now, but I'd be shocked if they bring back Justin Fields and if they don't take one of the top two quarterbacks and then they're going to go out and you always go from defense to offense, vice versa, and Eberflus is gone. There's just no yeah. way they can bring him back. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep it moving, John. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, just got done playing in Germany. So they're back stateside again, but they are on a bye week now post-Germany. So now Travis Kelsey's jumping on a plane. He's heading to Argentina to go watch his girlfriend, Taylor Swift, in concert. Uh, 
for Real or Fugazi. John, if you were the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, you'd be totally cool with Travis Kelsey just toddling off to Argentina this weekend. Absolutely. It's a bye week, and Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the NFL, and, and if he wants to go down there and hang out with Taylor Swift, the key is he needs to kidnap her and bring her back because the Chiefs don't do as well, and Kelsey doesn't do as well when she's not at their games, but now it's she's incredible. got that heiress tour going all over the world. So it's the last time he's going to see her on the road because he's not going to have any more time till after maybe the Super Bowl. All right. Along those lines, John, as long as we're talking about South America, we've got another Germany game coming up this weekend. So we've got England games. We've got Germany games. We know the NFL wants to keep expanding its global brand. For real or Fugazi, the next place the NFL will go to export football games is South America. Uh, I think that's for real. They're talking about they want to go to Brazil, play in one of the big soccer stadiums down there. They want to go to Paris. And uh, there's a lot of places in Europe they want to go. They talked about going to China, specifically Hong Kong, when the Oilers were still here. And I was begging them putting the, put the Oilers and the Cowboys in that game because I told them, hey, the Oilers are a big draw on the road. They sold out the Tokyo Dome. They sold out Estadio Azteca, Mm -hmm. sold out the Sun Bowl, all in preseason games back then. And, of course, they played the Cowboys in all those games, but that didn't have anything to do with it. (laughs) It was was Pistoleros y Vaqueros. There you go. There you go. Uh, All right, two more, John, both Houston-related. Dana Brown uh, at the GM meetings did several interviews with several different people. By the way, did you see they had to clear out the GM meetings because everybody got the, the case of the uh, case of the runs? It sounds like I some did virus. See that. Yeah. Boy, that's not that's not a good look for the hotel. No, it's not not at all. Not at all. I won't name the hotel on here. You can go find it in the article. Yeah, not good. Um, but Dana Brown was asked several different times what needs are for the Astros, and he he mentioned a backup catcher to Yiner Diaz. Obviously, they're going to need bullpen help with several of their bullpen arms leaving. He even mentioned that he would he would look at a starting pitcher. Never once mentions anything about the outfield. John Ferrell or Fugazi, the outfield the Astros have right now, totally cool to roll into 2024 with them. I got no problem with it. Alvarez in left, uh, McCormick in center, Tucker in right with Dubon, able to play center. Don't know what they think about Jake Myers. I'd rather see them get a starting pitcher. Now, Scott Boris has assured us Lance McCullers is going to pitch. Yeah, right. We don't know that. We don't know if Lance will ever pitch again. Luis Garcia may not be ready till the end of the year. They need another starter. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got arms, but I, who can you rely on? That's the thing. Because just, I mean, all the guys that were in the rotation going into the playoffs last year are all still on the team. They didn't lose anybody, but it's just, it's such, it's so different. You're right, John. It's so different this year coming into the season. And that's with Verlander. Like, you know, we we're coming in last season without Verlander. You're like, eh, not you, but like people like, well, they'll be, they'll be fine. I mean, look, Frommer was a top five Cy Young. Javier's throwing no hitters. They've got Urquidy. They've got Garcia. Lance is healthy again. You know, all those things. Hunter Brown, you know, that's you. We got six guys. What Verlander? And now you're actually coming into a season with Verlander, and people are like, they need starters. And it's like, well, all those same guys you just named are still on the team. Yeah, I know but they sucked last year. <laughs> they sure did. And it's yep. amazing. They got as far as they did yeah. and could have gone to the world series. They won one of the last two at home concerning the issues they had with their pitching staff. Did you see, and I'm amazed by this Chandler Rome for the athletic who worked for the Chronicle did a story from the general managers meetings, quoting 
Dana Brown is saying Joe Espada cannot interview with anybody till we give him permission because he's under contract. And uh, you know, there's stories Milwaukee's interested in. And then Chandler goes in there and goes, well, according to sources, his contract expired on, on Halloween. He can interview with anybody he wanted. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's not a good look if the general manager doesn't know his leading Canada's contract's expired. No, that's scary, John, is what that is. If I'm an Astros fan, that's terrifying to me. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, last one. Rockets beat the Lakers last night, 128 to 94. They smoked them. For real or Fugazi, the Rockets will finish ahead of the Los Angeles Lakers in the standings this year. Fugazi, I'm guessing Anthony Davis will come back and play well. Oh, are you? Only, LeBron <laughs> only scored 18. They made the playoffs last year after LeBron. Yeah. LeBron complained about the new rule. Then they took advantage of it to get in the playoffs. And we forget sometimes the Rockets were the worst team in the NBA. So if they could even come close to the Lakers, it would be uh, – substantial improvement that they've shown so far. Now they got to do it on the road. All right. There you go. All right. That's for real or for Gazy. We do it every Thursday episode. John's picking the Bengals. I'm picking the Bengals. John 30 to 23, me 30 to 27. And we both hope that we are uh, wrong. Very, very wrong on that prediction, but uh, does not, even if they lose this game, John, the Texans, I, th I don't think it dampers what the spirit going on right now. Especially no. you got Arizona coming to town. I looked at it. Landry, I heard Landry Locker talking about it on in the loop. And I like the way he looked at it, which is, yeah, if they lose this game, they lose this game. But he said, I'm looking at it more like after the Arizona game, are they five and five? If they're five and five after the Arizona game with the schedule they got in front of them after that, you know, with the Jacksonville game, which is a huge opportunity. And then you got a bunch of quarterbacks that are that I would gladly line up against and play, assuming the Texans get a little bit healthier than they are right now. Um, I think bottom line is I think they're in really good shape. I think even with the long injury report, they're in such better shape now than anybody expected them to be coming into the season. I picked them to win six games and they're two away and I feel confident they're going to win more than that. So if you told me before the season, they got a chance to be five and five. I just said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And hallelujah. Absolutely. John, what do you got going on on sports radio, 610.com? I have a column that be posted in a few minutes. Uh, comparing Stroud's start with Deshaun Watson start in 2017. And uh, and I've got a, everything I'm writing is about Stroud because he's so hot. You can't go wrong. And I'll have a, five things to watch in the game Friday. And uh, thank you very much, as always, Sean. All right. Good stuff, John. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you on the pregame show on Sunday at 11.15 on Sports Radio 610. I'll have, a weather, I'll have an up-to-date weather report, and I'll tell you what it's like in downtown Cincinnati uh, before that game, so everybody listening to the pregame show will know. Appreciate that, John, very, very much. And we will get together on Sunday night to recap the Texans and the Bengals. Big thanks to our producer, James Jackson, who gets the podcast out to all of you guys. Uh, does a great job with that. If you guys want to click the subscribe button, that makes it easier on everybody. That means you get the podcast automatically, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe. We appreciate you doing that. And tell a friend, especially if they're a Texans fan, if they're missing out on this podcast, we don't want them to do that anymore. We would love to have them be part of the Qtopia family. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. That's the uh, email address to send John and I questions for our Tuesday mailbag episode. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. We answer as many questions as we can for the mailbag. So uh, go ahead and send us those questions. So for James, Jackson, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you uh, Sunday night following the Texans and the Bengals here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Until then, have a 
great weekend, everybody.